welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I'm host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build commercial and mixed-use property portfolios that completely align with their goals. The only way you get to work with me is through my members club. That is the only service that I offer for you to join. And I want to let you know something. I'm opening it this week. So if you have thought, oh my gosh, I want to come and work with you, Natasha. I want to be in your members club. I want to come and learn from you. I want to work with you. I want to meet all of your other clients. The members club is for you. Why do you need to join this month? We're doing everything property investor finance. And we're also talking about hiring as well, because if you want to run a successful property business, chances are you're going to have to hire some team members. So we're going to talk you through how to do that, because the buzzword is, oh, let's hire a VA. Everybody talks about it but nobody shows you how. So that's the sort of thing that we do in the members club. Not only do we buy the right properties and we discuss that at least twice a week, you can come and join me, you can ask those questions, but we also work around the practicalities of what it means to actually run a property business so that you can be the CEO of your property company. If that sounds like something that you want to do, you are going to have to come to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash members club. Come and join me. And if you join and you email me and you say, hey, Natasha, I joined because of the podcast this week, I will give you a complimentary one-to-one directly with me. You heard it, right? This is not going anywhere else. So Again, if you want that complimentary one-to-one with me, you are going to have to join this week and then tell me that you heard it from this podcast, the podcast that's going out on the 30th of March. All right. My email address for that, natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I will put all the links in the show notes below. Okay, y'all. It's very southern, isn't it? Today, what am I talking about? Well, actually, this is quite a timely podcast. There's been a lot of research that has come out recently from the RHCS, from The Economist, who've amalgamated a load of data around retail and the future of retail. That is what I wanted to come to you and chat to you about today. The future of retail and specifically omni-channel retailing. What does that mean? Why is it important? Why do we need to be aware of that? All of those sorts of things. Okay, so I'm going to run through some overviews from those studies, some key stats that we need to be aware of, and then I'm going to go through what can we do about it, because some of it sounds pretty disastrous, but some of it also sounds really positive, and we always need to think, as landlords of commercial property, Okay, well, there might be something devastating that is happening to the retail sector, but there are always things that we can do to turn that around. So what can we do to turn that around? And I'm also going to go through that in today's podcast. Sound good? I hope so. I also want to hear from you afterwards. What do you feel about this? You can tag me in Instagram or Twitter at Natasha C. Collins. I want to continue this conversation. Right. 
let's get into some of the key statistics. So first of all, this year as a whole, unemployment in the UK is expected to cap out at around 6.5%. And that's from the RICS that's saying that by the end of the year, employment will be at 6.5%, which means there'll be more people unemployed. And the reason being is because things like furlough are coming to an end. Why do we need to be aware of that? Well, if people are unemployed, that means that there's going to be less money in the market, less people spending in shops. And so that's also going to have a knock on effect for our retailers. So we do have to bear that in mind. That's obviously going to have a knock on effect elsewhere as well. That's going to have a knock on effect in the residential market. You know, we need to be aware of these stats. Now, one of the good things are that as much as there is this negative stance going on in the retail sector, currently rental and capital values remain unchanged since the start of last year. So that means that property prices for commercial haven't gone down, rents haven't gone down, but they've also not gone up. So let's take the pros and cons from that. The only place where commercial is really, really, really profiting um, and doing really well is well-located logistics and industrial property, which continues to see initial yields edge lower to around 4%. And we're going to come back to that because this is something that I want you to bear in mind when you're thinking about where are the high-performing assets right now? And I'll come back to it. So do hold out for that, but bear that in mind. We want to be writing all of this down. You know, okay, so well-placed logistics, centers and industrial doing fantastically. We kind of knew that already because of the rise in online retail and where we're having to store things. But again, you know, it doesn't hurt to remind you. Now, one of the badder forecasts or one of the worst projections, badder, <laughs> okay, is the Forecasted values for standard retail and shopping centers are suggested to go down this year. So um, capital values for retail are expected to drop by about 10.9% this year, and shopping centers are expected to drop by about 13.11% this year. Now, on the flip side of that, out-of-town retail, which is retail parks, are actually showing kind of a stable place in um, capital values. So this is your shopping malls, this is high street retail, primary high street retail, this is where you're going to see the capital values drop. So we do need to be aware of that. We do need to be budgeting that into the price that we're paying for retail property. So do remember that that's a projected, we don't know for sure, projected 10.9% fall in um, standard retail and 13.11% fall in shopping centres. Now, We've got those stats. We can kind of prepare for that. We know now that that's what experts think is going to happen this year. Let's have a look at the retail industry as a whole, how it's changed, how it's um, how COVID has impacted it. So think back to the turn of the 20th century. OK, I get it. Just Imagine turn of the 20th century. At that time, it was the retailer who was in charge. They were creating products and they were selling them at a mass market out to consumers. That was what they did. Rather than being led by the consumer, they were like, okay, well, we can produce this. We're just going to put it out um, to you know, our, our market. And they were able to do that 
at a higher level than they previously had, where it was very much, you know, the consumer ordered what they wanted, it was a personalized service, and they would get that tailor-made to fit them. Now, that has changed. That is changing at an alarming rate. But because of that trend, um, it means that retailers have really taken up store stores and actual shopping locations to accommodate for that. And in the UK, Britain has on average eight square foot of retail space per person, which is pretty huge if you ask me. Now, where we're seeing the trends change, and we certainly saw that sped up during COVID, in 2020, we saw 16,000 stores in the UK shut and 183,000 retail jobs were lost. And that is a sign that retail trends are changing. And of course, like because of shop closures, retailers were saying, well, I can't really afford to keep things open. That's fine. Now, retail, as I've just said, is changing. It's got to change. I mean, whereas previously it was very much retailer focused, now we've got consumers who are saying, well, I want that and then the retailers are going out and they are producing that. How has that happened? Well, that's happened from an increase and a rise in data that retailers who are predominantly online and have better ways of collecting data can see that. They can see those trends. Look to Amazon. Why does Amazon do so well? Well, Amazon does well because they decided that they were going to be the industry leader and they can collect your data and see what is selling well and what isn't selling well. And when things are selling well, they can buy more of that, they can supply more of that. And they've also got this fantastic review-based system where they can see what's working and what's not. One of the downsides is for those sellers who come to Amazon, they start they put their stock up there, but Amazon doesn't give them the data. So then Amazon can compete with them. They can go out, they can make their own stock, which competes with these people who are actually listing on their website, and they can sell it at a, a cheaper price. It's not ideal. That's why you get a lot of governments looking at Amazon and saying, hold on a second. But it's the way that they've developed to be market leaders. We are also seeing that in China. We're seeing that with JD.com, Alibaba, Pindodo. I can't, I think that's the way that you pronounce it. I mean, a lot of people refer to it as PDD, but I think it's Pindodo. And they're starting to try things where They've always been online, but they also use cashier-free shops, video promotions. They're starting to also use their data to see where people are shopping. And so they're also then creating these distribution centers, which are in these far-flung locations, but they know what those people want through gathering the data. And so they can position their stock there. So one of these things that we need to be doing is, as commercial landlords, is looking at where the changes in retail are coming from. And this is suggesting the rise of omni-channel retailing. Ooh, it's a new buzzword in the retail sector, but what we really need to be aware of. Essentially, consumers want flexibility of whether they shop in person or online. And that is going to be what happens going forward after um, COVID-19. You know, 
I still like to go to the shops. You probably still like to go to the shops. There's sometimes where it works better for me to go out in person and do things. And there's sometimes where I'm more than happy to do it online. And that's going to be the same for most people. And so omnichannel retailing is now this rise of retailers having to have an online presence, but also an in-person storefront retail. They need both. Now, this can be very problematic for retailers. Why is it problematic? Well, Number one, they have to pay for the cost of their physical stores, but also for a digital rent, as it's called, where they are paying for advertising credits such as Google, Facebook to push their stock up higher so that they attract more consumers. That costs a lot of money. Also, with online retailing, returns are expensive. Globally, it costs retailers roughly $1 trillion per year in returns. It makes them nothing, but they have to process it. And of course, there's some retailers who charge you to send it back. And there's others who do it for free because they want to entice people, consumers onto their online shopping. I mean, I certainly prefer free returns, but it's expensive, expensive for retailers to be able to accommodate that. Retailers also have to pay not only for delivery, but also for pickup options as well. That's really expensive. And the expense goes higher if you're in grocery shopping. So if you're like Tesco's, Sainsbury's, deliveries are very high cost because they've got big bulky items and they've also got fruit and veg, they've got perishables, things that need to be transported in a very careful way. And the margins for grocery shops are low roughly around two to four percent and they're trying to bring those in with the rise of cheaper grocery stores like Audi, Lidl where their margins are going even lower I mean a one percent margin doesn't sound that great but they seem to thrive off of it there's all of this competition and profit margins are getting lower which means that they have to either cut back on jobs cut back on stores cut back on the things which are causing them losses now, unless costs go up for online services, operating losses actually for grocery stores could be anywhere between five to 15%. Click and collect, curbside pickup is break even. So there's loads of problems with online retailing, which is why you're still going to see retailers want their shop fronts. But if we're now moving towards a situation where there's 50% of customers say online, 50% in person, people want to mix and match, there has to be solutions to this. And this is where you as a landlord need to come in. Firstly, I've just told you about the changes in retail. We have to be aware of that. Of course, we have to be aware of that. That is coming. It's coming. Retailers are going to be wanting space that um, allows them to have this online presence and allows them to be a shopfront. So we're going to see the need for storerooms to be even, even bigger than they are right now. Now, some of the things that I was thinking of were, um, firstly, we're going to have to have rapid pickup locations in inner city warehouses. That's something that we're already seeing in China. We're going to have to start redesignating 
that those sorts of properties in the center of cities. That means that valuations are going to change, change somewhat. But I think it would be absolutely devastating if all of our commercial changed to residential and there was none of these warehouses. Instead, we need to be thinking about what can basements be used for? What can first floors be used for? Could we actually let them as an inner city distribution point? You know, or even, could they hold stock? Could consumers come and pick up? Does that serve the surrounding areas? So start thinking about that with your basements or your spare space. Could you let that out as a distribution center? It only has to be mini. But even if, you know, say you let it out to, I don't know, someone who distributes milk, eggs, you know, I know dairy isn't the thing at the moment, but if people from the surrounding blocks could come down and just collect, especially in big cities, that would be so useful. Now, I also think there's gonna to have to be changes for non-retail areas. If half a store is going to be used, for example, as, um, I don't know, click and collect or returns or just storage, then that's gonna have a different valuation. And that's something that's gonna to have to be addressed. I don't particularly have a solution for that because obviously that's gonna make values go down, but we do need to be aware of that as well, because that is going to have going to be an incentive for retailers to come in and use your space more innovatively. Now, it may be as well that there'll be leases on whole buildings for distribution. If you've got a whole building with a couple of floors above and you may be able to put in a trade lift or a goods lift just to lift things up and down then you might see that retailers take the whole of your space instead of part of your space and that could be a really 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 good solution as well we could also see working with other landlords i think that's going to be key if the cost of curbside delivery or curbside pickup is break even how about neighboring properties or neighboring property owners get together and provide a shared curbside pickup area that could be a solution it could be a really good solution with the cost being shared through a service charge or it could be a perk of coming and letting the unit and the other thing is allowing areas or shared spaces for personal shopping with concierge you know almost like these big office buildings how about changing that into retail and having that more personal tailored service now, these are ideas that need to be explored. They need to be tested. But what I'm saying to you is that if you are a retail landlord, don't panic. There is still going to be a demand for retail spaces, but they're going to look different. There is going to be a need for additional warehousing. There is going to be a need for click and collect services. There's going to be a need for curbside pickup because actually it's really user friendly. But we have to think about how can we help uh, retailers still make some sort of a profit for it, especially the small retailers. So what can we do to change our space accordingly? And that's about looking at shared facilities, maybe for smaller, smaller retailers, helping smaller retailers. One of the positive that you need to take away from this is that retail isn't over. You know, this death of the high street rubbish. The high street's not dying. The high street is changing and it's needed. Think about the last time, I mean, I know it's been a while, lockdown, but think about the last time you went to a really good store. I can. Well, for me, it's not been as long. Last week I went to, I had a really good shopping experience at a store called Free People, where they showed me to a changing room and they said, what are you looking for? And they just bought me everything. 
you know, they bought it in the fitting rooms. I tried it on. It was a really easy service. I didn't actually buy anything, but actually I would go back and do that again when I found something that I really wanted. Service like that is going to be how retail changes. And I'm excited for it. And I think you should be too. There's so many opportunities here. Retail is still going to be a good asset class to buy. So all we need to do is make sure that we're adapting and we understand what omni-channel retailing is. And again, that is the combination of online and physical shop front, front presence that we're going to see retailers moving towards. And for me, I think that that is a positive and I cannot wait to see it. So I wanna hear from you. What do you think about omni-channel retailing? Do you think it's a good idea? Yes. If yes, I want to hear from you. If no, I, I want to hear from you too. I want to know what excites you about commercial because commercial is still a really good asset class and retail is still a very good asset class. You've just got to adapt with the, the times. And do you know what? It's going to change every five to 10 years anyway. So if you can cope with this, you can cope with the changes that are going to happen going forward. All right, I hope this has been an interesting podcast. Remember what I said at the beginning, Members Club is open. And if you want that complimentary one-to-one with me, you and me personally, then you want to join this week before Thursday, the 1st of April. And then you want to email me, Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk and let me know that you joined because you heard this podcast about omnichannel retailing and you'd like to catch up with me for the one-to-one. So go to mcrealestate.co.uk forward slash members club now to join. Cannot wait to work with you inside the members club. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.